It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author. And not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with me today. I'm going to be doing a solo show today because I have so much information from a conference that I have just returned from, actually, last evening. So uh, in the intro, you'll hear that I am a certified sex educator. The certifying body that my sex educator status is through is an organization called the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. So in essence, this is a conference where educators, therapists, and counselors get together, and we talk about all things sexual for four days. Pre-con, add that, and that'll be five days. So what I wanted to do was give you, sort of let you be the fly on the wall, as I say audibly, because I can't show you, but I will tell you the things that we talked about. And for any of you, who, if you've ever gone to conferences, you also know that sometimes you go to a conference and they are, hmm, so-so. And then you go to other conferences, and they're phenomenal. And for myself, I look at things as, I mean, going to a conference is not an inexpensive venture. I mean, it's, it's close to $2,000 to airfare, hotel, conference fees, getting there, blah, blah, blah. So I want a good return on investment. And I have to tell you, this ASECT conference in Minneapolis for 2015 hit it out of the park for me. And I've been going to conferences now for probably 12 years, and I have to tell you, 12, 13 years, this was one of the best. So complete kudos to Eli Grant and to Melissa, uh, Melissa Keys DeJoya. They did a phenomenal job along with the rest of their planning conference team. So to start off with, one of the things I'm going to let you know about is what were some of the themes that I saw that made me made my brain so happy. One of the first was that they had new and different presentations instead of like the standard, let's do a plenary with this. I mean, how many times can we hear about um, HIV transmission? When we know how it happens, we know what the risk factors are, we know what the behaviors are, now our real thing is what is the practical interventions, what are the things that we can do? We have observed the behaviors. Now the thing is what are our interventions for the behaviors? 
And also, we have older styles of psychotherapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm an educator. I do want to know about those things, but I don't want that to be the whole thing. That's for the psychology department. What we really need are the hands-on, boots on the ground. What are you watching? What are you seeing? And what can you share with the rest of us as we go back into our world? Because let me tell you something. If you are a sex educator or a therapist or a counselor or you are a therapist who has that as part of your practice, believe you me, we are lone wolves. We don't have a lot of us there, and there is still a lot of stigmatization. We are still, people still have perceptions of someone who may be doing sex education. I mean, for many people who have a website, the first thing that happens in their, you know, in in their knowledge and awareness, Google will often group people who are sex educators or therapists into the adult industry. Well, Google, it is about time that some of you who are writing these softwares and programs woke up, had a coffee, and started looking at the groups who are delivering information because they are the groups who are wanting to help you with your relationships. Because many people who are writing these programs, I am sad to say, are, have a social inadequacy that does not allow them to create the kind of relationships they'd like to create. So, anyways, that's sort of the, the we we are a very strong group. This is the largest certifying body for uh, people in my field in the world. So there were people from India, from Germany, from France, from South America, from uh, Mexico, and it was all in all a great program. So what I'm going to start with is an area that this is the first um, presentation I went to because I was And here's the other thing. It is so great on occasion to see people you have not seen for two to three years and connect and just – because there's nothing that has people work together better than that mastermind eye-to-eye contact that you can create. And there was one area in our field that has – I'm just, this is, I'm just going to put this one as our first because it was the first presentation I went to. And it is in talking about sexual compulsivity versus the term sexual addiction. And for one of the first times, which was very nice, and it was the moderator on it was Buster Ross, who is with uh, Betty Ford Hazelton, and the others were Rob Weiss and David Lay. And many times there's so much conversation on, I don't want that term to be used. I don't want sexual addiction to be used. I don't like that term. I don't like this term. When in all actuality, what we do know, and it was great to see these two people who normally people would sort of throw them together and see whether or not they were going to get into an absolute boxing match. They were looking at how can we meet on a common ground? What are the, you know, what are the things that we need to see? And they both shared that, that for both of them, they had a background that had them realize when they went to look for information, their needs were not being met. And they are able to see, and it's, it's for some people saying that 
they're going to call it sexual addiction, they can identify with that and it has them go, oh, thank God, here is something that I can actually hold onto and know I'm not alone in this. Whereas for others, they prefer the term compulsivity or impulsivity. The important thing to realize is these behaviors in whatever way they may be occurring are, they're often covert. They are often, you know, something that comes as a result of other things in their background, obviously. But the important thing is that these people are also wanting to have engaged intimacy. They are wanting to have relationships and these behaviors are completely getting in the way of wanting to create that. So when I listened to this, this presentation and there were some of the top in our field, uh, one is Dr. Eli Coleman, who is the seated chair for the first endowed chair in sexuality in the U.S. And many of you may have heard me say that I am on the leadership council board that creates and puts together uh, the funding. We look to generate the funding to create chairs, which means creating a body of money that will be invested by the uh, educational organization solely to fund that scholar's work so that they will keep generating their information. And Dr. Coleman is known as a worldwide authority in the area of compulsivity and uh, sexual um, behavior. So whether it is for women or for men, the important thing is that we are looking at more of a collegial sharing of things because it's very easy in the area of sexuality to have people become divisive on and they get absolutely dogmatic and I'm not going to use that term. I'm only going to speak this way. And when really, if they have what I saw in this presentation, a sharing that, you know, look, you can have someone who has a compulsive treatment and yet they are able by an understanding of a multiple of modalities be able to get and have the feeling of their life being under control. And when I'm coming back, I'm going to be looking at the monogamy and engaging diversity. So this is about a uh, woman who has created a program. Heavens, I do apologize for that. Created a program for looking at, and, and the title of it is Closed Minds, Open Relationships. And that is the therapist who has someone come in and the person is coming in with a non-monogamous, you know, and, and it's a consensual non-monogamous relationship. And whether it is an open relationship with other couples or they're swingers who have sex with others but not, you know, a polyamory, not having a connected heart relationship, but that isn't the issue. It is opening the minds of the therapist that, because many times people will go, might be in an open relationship, and the therapist sort of stims or just keeps talking about that. But that's not the issue. The issue is the anxiety over the fact that their mother may be dying or the fact that they're about to lose their job because their children are 
acting out in other areas. So this is the next thing I'm going to be talking about is about called engaging diversity and whether or not you can actually find a trans therapist who can be of, you know, who can help you with this. We're coming up to our first break. I'm talking about the ASEC 2015 conference that I was just at. And so this whole show is going to be talking about what sex therapists, counselors, and educators talk about when we're alone in rooms together. Please stay with me. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for más. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the Woohoo Radio Network. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having... 
having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back. Um, and as I was on break there, I was going through the uh, annual conference, the the, the um, brochure. It's not a brochure. It's like almost like a freaking book. And I have to tell you, one of the toughest things about going to a really good conference on sexuality is you want to be about five places at one time. So just to give you an example, for, you know, the time when I was um, – going to the, the title of the first panel that I told you about, Understanding Healthy Sexuality Versus Hypersexuality. And again, it was David Lay, Robert Weiss, and the moderator was Buster Ross. At that same time, I would have loved to have gone to taking sides on the polygon of porn and talking about, because porn is also another very much a polarizing topic. Is, is it okay? Is it not Okay. Does it create addiction? Does it not create addiction? And I have to tell you, a lot of the people that are telling someone that they're an addict is saying it to someone because they found someone watching it when, and they're telling them, you must be a sex addict. So the person who is feeling slighted by someone watching it is the one who's making the so-called note my fingers in, in a little quote diagnosis. And the actual title of this year's program was that it's middle ground and establishing connections. And I have to tell you, they did a very good job on putting together people who were typically on either side of a conversation to show that, listen, we're talking about sexual health, which is something that is a crucial part of everyone's lives. It doesn't exist outside. And if any of you have heard me speak of Dr. Joyce Elders, I mean, it is something like an absurd amount, like 30% of health care budgets connected particularly for women are connected to sexual health. And if we could give people proper sexual health education, psychologically, physiologically, emotionally, we would be able to reduce an unbelievable demand on a health care system that isn't even prepared to deal with this. Physicians don't get any training in this area, typically. Really, they don't. They're taught to the test in med school. The majority of therapists don't. And the same thing with people who are faith, which is where most people go. And actually, the closing plenary was a physician who she refers to herself as a vaginologist. She is an MD, and she is a practicing physician at public health. And she says straight out, she got no training. And here were these people coming to her. She knew how to look at a cervix. She knew how to put in a speculum, but she had no idea how to actually have conversations and what the science was behind sexual functioning. So also at the same time, for the understanding, you know, the healthy sexuality, there were other panels on sexuality and aging that I would have loved to have gone to. But again, I could only do one place at one time. Then we had the... Uh, presentation, again, as I said, Closed Mind, Open Relationships. And this was by Elizabeth Boski. She's a Ph.D., and she herself
itself has lived in the, you know, an open relationship and polyamory for almost her entire life and is also a therapist. But what she looks at is that people often will come in and they, the person has to really be sure and clear about what their definitions are. So just as an example, many times someone will come into someone's office or they'll speak to someone and they'll say, well, I'm in an open relationship. Well, open may mean two or three different things to someone else. Uh, they may say that open may mean to them that they're swinging. Swinging could be that it's having sex only with another couple or with another person. Is it a triad? Is it just three people? And is it a diet, just the two people and they only have another couple? You need to know what that, what they're referring to and then you need to know why they are looking for therapy. Because the issue is not that they're in an open relationship. This is one of the most truly vanilla kink people could learn a lot, and I say this regularly, from people who are in these consensual, non-monogamous relationships. Because these people have already done the groundwork of going, you know, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I'd like to experience emotionally. This is, and it's not like having an affair and bringing someone into a relationship and saying, I'd like to open our relationship. That is already a violation of a trust, and it will never work. And I got trained on that one by Dr. Nan Weiss. And, uh, she just got her Ph.D. at Rutgers on um, women's uh, MRI, magnetic resonance, um, brain functioning during orgasm. And Nan said, if you try to bring in someone from an affair and say, oh, let's open the relationship, that is not a negotiated, that is not agreed upon, and it is not consensual. So really, one of the things that Elizabeth um, uh, Boski said is that you must check what their definitions are, and you have to look at, you know, is this a new relationship energy, what she referred to as NRE? And for some people who are in a monogamous relationship, they may not understand, as a therapist, what compersion is. And again, you know, when I love being a student, I truly do. So I love going to these conferences and finding out things or terms or ways of observing something that I would not have before because what that does for me is it betters me as an educator because truly, let's be honest, if you think you know everything about what you need to know, you have to sadly cut yourself off from whatever contribution someone can make to you. And even if what you're thinking at that moment is wrong, which I found out a couple of things that I had been thinking were a little bit mm, not 100% accurate, it may make your brain go like this, ouch, yet that's a good ouch because you are open to seeing it. So compersion, to go back to uh, Elizabeth Boski's or Dr. Boski's comment, is that you are happy at seeing your partner be happy. So it may be because the, the thing that often happens in any relationship where there are multiple uh, personalities or multiple people within it, is that there is the jealousy, there is the negotiation, there is the time organization. It takes a lot of time to keep things organized. Yet, 
one of the things is you may not that you know a couple may not be uh, one partner may you know I'm not interested in doing that but I'm happy that you found this person to do it with so but the issue when people often come if and if they're looking for you know a competent therapist in this area is that they want someone who will address their issue that they're dealing with that you know they're as I said before anxious about their mother dying or they have an issue that's coming forward and generally there's someone who has you know they feel rejected about things not about in their relationship but at work or some other area so the big thing you need to know is how many you know what is your comfort level as a therapist with this and if you're not find someone who will be for them and refer them one of the best things you can do as a therapist is know how to refer properly the other thing that Bosky spoke about was a map of non-monogamy and apparently it is a map of states I have it highlighted here for me to refer to and look at because I've I've not seen it but it was something my book actually my program is highlighted in all kinds of yellow stuff looks it looks wonderful <laughs> now going to the um, one of the things that people will often find that helps people being in a new relationship, you know, energy, is that there is an increase in libido. There are, you know, the things that people, she talked about a term called metamorphs, which is a UK term. And what it does is it helps the lovers and the other partner. And when that other person comes in, they create a part of a community. They become part of a family. So it is a larger interconnected group. And she also did this thing. She has this thing that she calls polycule. Now, imagine a molecule. And you know how you see a molecule and you might have a center and then you might have little rings of electrons and things? She did that and said, this is something where if you are working with the dynamics of couple who are in a non-monogamous uh, consensual relationship, you use these as maps and diagrams to figure out what are the dynamics between people because there may be a dynamic in another part of a relationship that is impacting the rest of the entire polycule, the rest of the entire group. And there are groups that people can go to where you can get really good therapists in this area. One of them is the Kink Awareness Professionals. Another is Psychology Today, the CERB. And another is a group called polyamory research. And this is a way that if someone is looking for a therapist that's comfortable, there's also ASECT alt listserv. So we're coming up to our second break. I just finished talking about closed mind, open relationships, and the presentation by Elizabeth Bolsky. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about trans men and buck angel and how trans masculine sexualities and identities are developed. Stay with me. This is 
Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So, just before the break, I said what I would be speaking about is a presentation. Again, the tough part at these conferences is choosing the one you want to go to. And this is called Sexing the Trans Man, which means the sexuality of female to male transsexuals. And it's talking about exploring transmasculine gender identities and sexuality. And the presenter in this, there was a gentleman who is a therapist, uh, Michael Giordano, and the other is Buck Angel. And Buck Angel happens to be a, uh, a trans adult star, and he's a um, pornographer, but he does a workshop, and this is exploring the lives of the trans men and how this can better help therapists because we... Sometimes we think we have an idea of what's going to be presented to us, and unless, because this is not a widely studied group, yet it is growing. I mean, we have Caitlyn Jenner. We have others who have come forward 
and are being very much more visible in the media. But this is also something that there's a greater sort of a, a swell in the younger population, late teens, early 20s, who are looking at what can I do for myself, knowing that initially they may have identified as being lesbian, and then they realized, you know, I really am, I, I want to, this is something I identify with being male. And as they make the transition with testosterone, interestingly enough, there is a tremendous change for some of them in from a female mindset of sexuality and sex has to occur within certain parameters to, and, and I don't want to say this in sort of a blanket statement, but of a more masculine, it's just sex. I wanted to try this, just it's just sex. There's no connection. And being much, you know, having a much higher libido, you know, the comment is I masturbate all the time. I'm much hornier. And here's the thing that for me was most interesting. Um, in this uh, exploring transmasculine gender identities and sexualities, there were three videos that they showed of three young couples. And interestingly enough, the female to male, trans male, the longer that they were on, as they call it, vitamin T or testosterone, the more that they started to feel an attraction to other trans men, which I had never heard that before. And again, if I hadn't been at this conference, I would have continued merrily along with my little baby training wheels in this area because I would not have heard it straight from the source. So it, this was a fascinating uh, group to a fascinating um, presentation to see. And the other thing is the physiological changes that occur. For the female to male transgender, there is a hypergrowth or hypermegaly of the clitoris and uh, hypertrophy of the clitoris so that the clitoris becomes approximately one to two inches long. So it is much more prominent. And the other thing is that there are uh, changes internally if the trans male has not opted for bottom uh, surgery or what used to be called sexual reassignment surgery and they still maintain their vagina uh, and ovaries. So, for example, uh, Buck Angel has maintained his vagina, and one of the things that he stressed and that came through with these three different short videos that were shown is that being comfortable and being totally about his body and not having it be judged, but saying, hey, listen, I'm active with my vagina. It is my vagina, and I am using it, period. So the identities of people who are going through this are they're very fluid. They are so fluid. And they also require people being much more aware of what they're going through and having a, an awareness of what the, the, the scope of the environment is. What are others going through? What happened 10 years ago is very different from what is happening now. So 
For example, they may call, couples may call themselves a Q couple, a queer couple. For some, the trans male becoming more interested in other areas is a break in the identity of what the couple can deal with. And sometimes these couples end up, you know, their, their relationship cannot continue. But I will tell you, it was an hour well worth me being there. The next thing that I went to is a presentation. Then I went to the ASEX Social, which was at the Program in Human Sexuality. Awesome to have people be able to see. When people hear Program in Human Sexuality, they often think that it's kind of like one course. That could not be further from the truth. They have an area for um, transgender health. They have an area for children going through questioning their uh, sexual identities. They have working with sexual offenders. That program, because there's so many things being worked on right now, that program has been blended in to another one. But there's also Dr. Coleman's program, hugely impactful program on sexual compulsivity. There's also major transgender area. We have Dr. Michael Ross, who is just the new seated chair for sexual, the Tricel and Elders Chair in Sexual Health Education. And he has a five-year plan that is so detailed and documented. Now, if any of you have questions about who these speakers are or how I might be able to direct you in some way to uh, one of these scholars or another source of this information, please just contact my office, you know, office at loupadget.com, and I would be happy to send you the information I've got or the contact emails for these. Our general plenary, which was on Saturday morning, was with Esther Perel, who is an MA and a licensed marriage family therapist, who has spent the last 30 years working with couples. Many of you may have heard of Esther because she wrote the book Meeting in Captivity. And what the plenary was about, which was fascinating, is the state of affairs about rethinking infidelity. And interestingly enough, when she was going, and she's writing her second book right now, and interestingly enough, she said one of the biggest things that has happened now is when she was citing uh, a study, and it's like, is, you know, what is a problem in a relationship? And for most Americans, 24% said that divorce is an issue. But 91% said that an affair is an even bigger issue. And what Perel did is she walked us through, and she has some fascinating observations on what really is happening when there's an affair. If you think about it, and just take this into your brain for a moment, she discussed the, the fantasized version of what an affair is, and that is in a movie. What is happening in a movie about an affair? It's about love. It's about someone seeking out love. Yet, in the real world, what happens is that what people look at is they observe in clinical observations that it is a trauma, it is a damage, and it is only about the couple. And 
she went through many examples of to highlight how we have this sort of disparate way of looking at we've got an affair here, but what we didn't, you know, what we then have, again, going back to when I talked at the beginning of the show, listen, we have to know what are people's definitions about things. Listen, just because there isn't penile vaginal penetrative intercourse, that does not mean in someone else's mind there hasn't absolutely been an affair. Uh, it could be an emotional affair. It could be, you know, something else. And she made this one statement, which I thought, oh, my God, that is so true. She said, a kiss not given can often be more powerful from an erotic standpoint and from an emotional attachment standpoint than hours of so-called lovemaking. Interesting thing to think about, isn't it? That is how powerful our brains are and our imagination. So we're coming up to three minutes before our um, final break, two minutes actually. So she spoke of what are the three components of an affair? And, you know, basically it's not consensual. It is very selfish. And as she referred to it, she said there's no dental appointments about it. So it just occurs. And it's something that for many people, they're not necessarily thinking it's going to be happening. And I'll speak of that when I come back from the break. But there's three main components in the area that are the components of, of an affair. One is the secrecy. Two is the emotional involvement. And the third is the sexual alchemy. Now, sexual alchemy is something that you know when you have that with someone. And it can be an off-the-charts reaction of, whoa, let's be honest, we are all energetic electronic beings. That's what we are. Every single muscle contraction, every single nervous impulse, we are electronic. That's why we can be shocked or we can shock other people, okay? So when I come back, I'm going to be going more into Esther Burrell's presentation on rethinking infidelity, which I think for many people, if they kept this in the back of their minds, A, they wouldn't be as judgmental about their reaction or others, and they would see themselves and be much kinder. Stay with me. I'm going to be talking more about affairs when I come back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on Toginet.com. 
After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that you gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm going to go into more of the details of Esther Perel's uh, presentation on uh, rethinking affairs and rethinking infidelity. But just to also let you know what I was was talking about, not able to attend everything, there was a special screening of the movie Sticky, the movie. And what this is about is Nicholas Tanna's film. And what he did is it talks candidly about having been uh, about masturbation, and after having been shamed as a child by fellow students for admitting that he masturbated, writer-director Nicholas Tanna interviewed more than 60 sexologists, authors, religious figures, porn stars, and entertainers to understand what's so wrong with masturbation. So it ranges from Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders to comedian um, uh, Jan Garofala and all the way to Larry Flint on these issues and talking about, you know, the, it, it pulls no punches. I would have loved to have seen it, um, and I guess I'm going to have to find another opportunity to do so. So getting back to uh, Esther Perel's State of Affairs, Rethinking Infidelity, one of the other things she spoke of, which I found this absolutely fascinating, that infidelity is the new stigma, and it is the thing that cannot be talked about by certain groups. There's much more shaming about this. And 
there was an article in the New York Times, and it, it stated that, you know, uh, therapist Perel sees couples, you know, infidelity from couples. Within the next week, she got over 400 letters from women who were having affairs and men who had been hurt. And as she said, these are the most not listened to shamed groups. And, you know, she says, what do affairs tell us about love, lust, and commitment? And some of these old standard things that, you know, a cheater always cheats. And then we have like the, you know, the Christian model of redemption and factual truth and you have to tell everything. No, you don't. But she also, and this is what I had spoken about before, she talks about existential affairs. So, for example, someone has been faithful for years and then all of a sudden they cross the line. And she said, this for her is some of the most interesting because what she then looks at, and remember, this is a woman who has 30 years of dealing with couples therapy. So the thing that she looks at is that has that person lost someone in the last few years? Because from, for many people, the anxiety surrounding death is relieved by sex. So for her, at the heart of affairs is this person looking for that other self, that that's that person that they themselves have become. So it really is, you need to see, you know, is there some event, some memory that pushes someone over to the other side? And here's the thing. You can't assume that there's a deficiency in a relationship just because there's an affair. I know that one, and I haven't spent 30 years dealing with people in therapy. I know just by observation, someone can have a completely fabulous relationship, and yet there's still something that they want to, you know, try over here. She talks about, listen, if you marry at 30, well, for the first 17 years of your life, you've had nomadic sex, meaning you've had the ability to go from one person to another, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, you can't do anything else. You can't sort of have any other thought. And she said, really, what people have to look at is, what is their definition of fidelity? Is it that the person doesn't emotionally go somewhere? Is there a constancy? And this is, again, a conversation. It's not an answer. So what you have to look at is that often people, when they're evolving in relationships, they're evolving two very different value systems. So don't think that just because there's an affair, it's going to kill something. For some couples, they'll end up leaving the pink elephant in the middle of the room. They never talk about it. But anytime someone's five minutes late, it, you know, triggers them. That's survivors. Then there's another form of survivor where they stay together because of family values or this is my religious value, whatever it may be, but they never talk about it. So again, the elephant's there might be slightly smaller, but never goes away. Then there's the adventurers, and they take the crisis, and they turn it into a generative experience. That's not the majority of them. But if we know that the majority of people, is 60% of women, 80% of men, will have affairs, or 40%, 60%, and here's the thing. I don't think we ever truly get accurate numbers on this, but the thing is to, you've got to have an awareness that not one thing or one attitude defines it for any person who goes through this. 
So, and when she came with those things for the survivor reaction, it was people who would, you know, two, five, ten years after the fact. Uh, and she went back to them and said, hey, what else is going on with you and how are you, you know, how are you feeling right now? Continuing on, Dr. Debbie Herbenek, who is at Indiana, and she did research on corgasm. And this came out of a men's health sort of cheeky comment where this one gentleman was saying that there are exercise-induced orgasms. And from a sexual health standpoint, what uh, Dr. Herbenek did is she created a program to look at, as they called it, exercise-induced orgasms or exercise-induced sexual pleasure. Now, the first time I heard about a corgasm, it was from a gentleman who was a top trainer here in Los Angeles, and he said, do you know anything about this? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, as I'm doing sit-ups, and he's doing hard, hard crunches, he said, I feel an orgasm coming on, and he said, I have to stop. And he said, it's really irritating. I have to stop because I, otherwise I'm going to have an orgasm. Women, you know, don't typically have ejaculate men do and he's like I, you know I don't want to continue on with this so what um, Debbie Herbenek did is they did a survey online and looked at women who had had this happen then they looked at a whole range of things they did a number of different studies of, of compiling what activity caused it to happen and they went all the way back to Kinsey where they hadn't asked properly whether or not these women they would say that it was um, when they had orgasms when they were younger, they didn't really know to ask the question, so they couldn't really get an idea of how prevalent this was. But they, here's just to give you the short on this because I'm, I'm coming down to it. I want to cover a couple more uh, other presentations that I saw. They came up with that women and men, but they had what they call their core principles. And what you have to do is you have to challenge yourself and get to muscular fatigue. Now, interestingly enough, there's nitric oxide and L-arginine that are associated with muscle fatigue, and those are the two things that are associated with Viagra in order to increase more um, blood flow into the penis. So here's the thing that happens. Think about this. Orgasms are powered by blood and oxygen. So what is happening when you are doing strong core exercises? whether it is captain's chair, you know, you're doing the pull-up with the legs, or whether you are doing um, sit-ups or whether you're doing crunches. And those are the things. So you have to challenge yourself, get the muscle fatigue. You have to know the order that it matters in. So you have to do like a cardiovascular and then go to the core exercise. The next thing is R, which stands for relax and receive. And E stands for engage your, your lower abdominal muscles. So when people were describing how this felt for them, the women said they took their hands and sort of put them like from the sides of their hips in with their fingertips meeting just over their pubis long, and they said they felt it coming in like that towards the clitoral area. So what they're looking at is here's the point that they wanted to look at. Can these exercises be used to teach response such as orgasm during intercourse, because there really hasn't been studies that have compared the um, core abdominal exercises with the lower pelvic floor musculature. So, again, one area where, yes, I'm glad to hear that we have more things going on in that area. 
finally, one of the last things I'd like to talk about, and I'm sorry I'm being quick here, is we did we did have, you know, uh, more research in the area of Betty Dodson's body sex. We had some unbelievably fabulous people who were acknowledged for their contributions to our area of uh, sexuality and, and health. And one of them was for the Humanitarian Award for Dan Savage. And if any of you have heard of him, you know he's got this thing called Savage Love. This is a man who so stands up for any gay kid, any person going through things. He and his partner created It Gets Better. We have Bill Tabner, who was our Sexuality Award, Peggy Kleinplatz for Excellence Awards, and Distinguished Service to Russell Stombaugh. And one of the things that I also looked at, which was fabulous, there's a woman by the name of Emily Nagoski, and she did Brain and Effective Neuroscience for Sexuality Professionals. Fabulous, fabulous presentation. And she used some things called ojoysextoy.com for the uh, little illustrations that she did. But her stuff is fabulous. And again, that is Emily Nagoski, and that's N-A-G-O-S-K-I. I'm coming up to the final minute of my presentation. For all of you, I thank you so much for being with me. Uh, Emily can be found at thedirtynormal.com. Any questions you have of ASECT or if you're interested in finding a therapist or a counselor or an educator in your area, please go to ASECT, A-A-S-E-C-T.com, and you will be able to find a map and check that out. Or you can email me at office at lupaget.com. Thank you for being with me. There's so much more I could have shared with you. It was a fabulous conference. I'm so glad I went, and I look forward to the next one in Puerto Rico. Take care, everyone. Have a fabulous rest of the day. Bye for now. for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 